Welcome to EMG Transformations with Dan Stoll. Each episode will empower you to ignite your inner fire and provide methods to maximize your mental and physical performance. You never know how one valuable insight can make such a big impact. Please leave a five-star review if this episode leaves a positive impact on you. And don't be shy to screenshot and share episodes on social media that you find helpful so we can spread the message and make the world a better place. You never know who may need to hear and the impact it has on them too. We're only scratching the surface. There's so much more to learn. Subscribe and stick around to manage stress, improve your health, and create lasting lifestyle changes. Buckle up and get ready to spark your transformation with Nova Fusion. Welcome to EMG Transformations. Today I'm eager to feature the dynamic and dangerous Dylan Smith. Dylan is a Wall Street wolf, entrepreneur, speaker, and author. He is no stranger to adversity as an underdog who was misdiagnosed with ADHD as a child to later discover he had dyslexia. In 2020, he started his company, D is for Dyslexia, at age 20 to share his story to inspire and spread awareness. This guy has the heart of a lion. I admire his courage, and I'm honored to share this conversation with you guys. Thanks for joining us today, Dylan. Wow, that was such an awesome, beautiful intro. Thank you so much for taking the time to put something like that together. Yeah, man. Thank you for letting me be on here. Yeah, of course, man. You got a story to share, as I just mentioned. And I had to throw that dangerous part in there because last (laughs) time we talked, you like flipped over this electric scooter and that was a story (laughs) to tell. (laughs) I did do a a front somersault backflip off an electric scooter in L.A. Yeah, if only John got that on camera. (laughs) Oh, that would have been amazing. It would have viral. Yeah, but um, let's get into it, man. You got a story. So I just want to like start right there with your backstory on, you know, what were some of those early experiences and struggles even that shaped you into who you are today? So I I'm I'm 22 right now. When I was adopted in 2003 from Russia, we thought that was the start. But realistically, when I my birth parents dropped me and my twin brother off at the doorstep of an orphanage in Russia. Where then at the beginning of our life, we had to start survival mode immediately because the way things worked in the orphanage was there's one big common room and there was like a, a, you know, everybody knows what a buffet is, like a buffet buffet style setup where if it was food time, the babushkas, which is grandmother or caretaker in Russian, would put out porridge. And what porridge is, is like old, soggy, cold oatmeal on this buffet table in this big room that we slept in and you didn't get to it kids older i was two and a half so it was we were in a room from two to five and the five-year-olds kind of ran the room and if you didn't get to your porridge first or whatever was being served that day you didn't eat that meal because other kids would take yours and in the sleeping room if you didn't get to your blank your bed in time before it was bedtime because we were in russia it was very cold it wasn't insulated well that room the older kids would take your blankets so i used to sleep in my pillowcase and hide my food in my pillowcase so i know that if i didn't grab my food in time that day, I would still have it in my pillowcase. So I used to walk around 
with my pillowcase and then sleep in it when it was cold with my food, which is pretty terrible. But I'm, I'm glad I went through that. When I was adopted in 2003, we were adopted with our beautiful mother, who's a superhuman, but also we had an alcoholic father who had opened up a bar, drank the profits, put our house up for collateral and ran away to Florida. Our mother was a, a teacher, a special education teacher making 30000 a year, and she quit her job or we living on food stamps, quit her job to go to nursing school. So no, no job now. She doesn't even have the 30,000, just the food stamps. And now we have no father figure. And she's away at some hotel in nursing school where our grandfather stepped up and said, I'll raise the boys while you go through this chapter of bettering your guys' life. When she got it, her first job at a nursing home, we moved to Connecticut in a beautiful condo. And we're like, oh my God, we made it. And then we didn't realize, but during that chapter while we were in New Hampshire and she was going through school, I had to go to look to the doctor because teachers were like, Dylan's not focused. He's bouncing around the room. He's distracting other kids. We need to have him looked at. And they said, oh, he's got ADHD after a 12-minute consultation and put me on Ritalin and Concerta for ended up being 10 years. She gave me chemical imbalances. I was basically high my entire childhood. When we moved in 2014 to New York, we were adopted again that Christmas by our now father. So it took us three fathers to get where we are. And we always joke that third time's a charm, but he is the charm. And I'm so glad to have him. Um, and then we went through the journey of overcoming it. Like he's like, this is not right. He taught us how to be a man. He made us do wrestling. He said, this is what a man, how he holds himself, respects himself, teach you how to shave, be up, kept, get your work done on time, wrestler, take care of your responsibilities. We had to get jobs, but he looked at the way I was learning and goes, this is not right. He sat with me for a couple of weeks and then he was like, you know, I don't think this is dyslexia. Let's have him professionally evaluated. So I was professionally evaluated at 16 and they go, nope, this is an ADHD. Take him off the meds immediately. It's dyslexia. So then that was crazy. And I, I remember actually this car ride with my dad, we came back from the evaluation and I was crying and I said, dad, I'm so sorry. And he was like, what do you mean you're sorry? I was like, I'm sorry that, I, that it's been so hard for you guys. And he's like, how'd you do it? And I was like, how to do what? He goes, you're in 10th grade and you made it through every grade, not knowing how many letters are in the alphabet or how to read. And you were high the whole time. How did you get through? Like he couldn't, he was trying to do the math. He's a very intelligent man, very successful, established. He's like, I don't get how you did it. And I said, well, you have to stand out, right? You to be a purple cow. Have you ever heard the purple cow theory? Yeah, I have. <laughs> you have to be the purple cow and I have to do what it takes to be seen by teachers to know that they're not on the kid. I'm not the kid in the back, vaping in the back of the classroom that who doesn't give a fuck. I'm actually here. I'm trying and efforts, not the problem. So I went in before class started to meet with a teacher. I skipped recess to work with teachers. I skipped gym to work with teachers. I stayed after school to work with teachers and everything I learned with them. I brought to my tutor after staying after school, then I'd bring that home. So now I'm doing probably an extra six hours a day of work but then tomorrow we go in and i'm getting a 40 on homework a 50 on that test and i don't know what's going on in class and kids are calling me the stupid kid when i fought when i was finally started going to a tutor which was using orton gillingham i i broke up my whole summer going into junior year that was it just study learn my abcs learn the alphabet learn how to read again all over again at 16 years old humbling experience I came back and people were still calling me stupid because it was the first time in my entire life that I actually had dignity and respect for myself and went, you know what? No, I just busted my butt the whole summer to learn how to read again. I'm not the stupid kid. And that is where I didn't realize, but learning how to network with the teachers, how to stay after, how to outwork my peers, 
how to do what's necessary to get by or do more than what is asked of me to to stand out to get where I needed to. And gratefully, I I did graduate on time. I was at a seventh grade reading level in 10th grade, though, for perspective. And I graduated on time. Wow. And when I, when I graduated, my dad, we were the class of COVID. So originally, I, was, I went to a trade school, junior and senior year. And I went to my high school. So it was like half, half. So I graduated with a trade school certification and license with microcomputer science. And then I also graduated with a high school diploma at the same time, which was awesome. But I was class of COVID. So I had an internship lined up, which got canceled, Ixnade, because of COVID. And we didn't know what we were going to do because I definitely was not going to college. And my dad was like, well, are you willing to go to the army? And I was like, that's a terrifying thought. Like, they own me. I have no say in what I do or where I go or how I am. Like, yes, I respect the army. I respect it completely because I think that I, I don't know, I'm terrified of the concept and I respect all of our soldiers. And when I got the call that the internship is on, I'm the only intern. They said, the only thing, the only thing we ask of you during this COVID is, will you come into the office every day? I go, do whatever it takes, because this is my boot camp and I'm going to make it work. So I worked for free for a year, got picked up by a Wall Street firm. I'm an engineer now on Wall Street who travels around helping the top financial firms and lawyer firms on Wall Street with tech. So I'm grateful to say that that's what I was able to hustle through. And then during that time, I started running every night. And I found, we all found a bunch of YouTube videos and Tiger King during COVID. I found Ryan Serhan. I found Gary Vee. I found Grant Cardone. I found Ed Milet. And I started running to them every night. And I finally thought like, you know what? I had an alcoholic father. I was misdiagnosed. I didn't go to college. I almost didn't make it through school. I was in an orphanage. I was adopted twice. There's somebody who has it worse. And there's more than one person who has it worse. If I share my story, the tools that I use, the mindset I had, the experiences, maybe it would help somebody. Maybe it could help somebody. Maybe it could help hundreds. Maybe it could help thousands. But I know that I need to start. So I started talking to my phone. I started uploading videos. You can look at them now. They're probably the most cringy, crappy videos you've ever seen compared to today's production. But you need to start your first. If you're going to be an artist, your first song is going to be crap. Your first video is going to be crap. Your first ad is going to be crap. Your first logo is going to be crap. But it doesn't. Everybody's is because it's their first. You can't start off amazing. Yeah. Man, that's such a great story. And just to like cap off with what you said, it's like you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Yes. And, you know, that's what it is. And like one of the questions that I could ask is like, well, how did you develop your resilience? But like you were thrown in the fires like you didn't have a choice and you had to fight and claw your way out of those situations. And you were battle tested at a very early age, which forced you to mature at a younger age than your peers at the time, which I'm assuming it was difficult to even make friends at the time when, you know, you're getting bullied and you have to deal with these circumstances that other kids aren't dealing with. And it's just hard to even have someone to talk and relate with. I had an alcoholic parent and like just that alone was hard for me to navigate and go through all that. So man, like you've really been through it and like, kudos to you for getting to the other side and it's truly like a testament of like what you can accomplish when you put your head to it when you do get a supporter like your third father that you said the third time's the charm like it sounded like that was a real catapult to help you and show you down the right path or just like get some clarity on life because as like a 
you know, like a young man growing up, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to like model the best. And when we don't have those, those role models, it's hard to figure out what's the best. So I'm actually curious, like, did you get introduced into personal development in 2020 when you started running? Oh, wow. That's exactly how it happened. Wow. So that's not, that's not a long time then. No, no. Three years. And I've, um, I've learned that my third father, my stepfather, my actual father, the one that was there for me, and my grandfather, looking back, right, like to reflect, my grandfather stepped up as a man. He had his own responsibilities. My mom's like, she's going to nursing school. There's no father in the picture. He showed up, and he took care of what needed to be taken care of, the boys, me and my brother. My father's biggest thing growing up that he told us as a man, if I, if you don't remember anything that I've ever done or anything I've ever told you, any lesson I've tried to convey to you, Remember this and tattoo it on your head if you need to. Men show up always. Men show up when it's not when it's just needed, not when it's just required. They show up because it matters and they show up because it's needed and they show up because that is what a man does. They show up. So that's what my biggest thing is, is people, they stop at the first point. You need to show up. Everything else puts itself together, but you need to show up as a man. You need to show up as your best self. You need to be willing to receive things. You need to be willing to learn things. You need to be willing to move. You need to be willing to do more than your peers are. And I think a lot of people get confused with comparing themselves, right? Oh, I mean, Dan, he's doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm not doing enough, and this and that, and he's ahead of me. When they're not focused on, my dad had asked me, why did you go back from kindergarten twice to 10th grade? If you couldn't read, if you're getting bullied, if you didn't know what was going on, you were failing. And I said, do you want to know why? Because I was focused on 1% better every day. You're one conversation, one phone call, one trip, one conference, one math problem away from a completely different life. So if I get one math problem done today, I can go back to school tomorrow. If I get one social studies question done today, I can go back tomorrow. If I understand one thing in science I didn't yesterday, I can go back tomorrow. That's it. Where does that drive come from, though? Because I feel like a lot of people in your situation, when the cards are so like not in your favor, it's so much easier to give up and throw in the towel. And even with today, like there's so many distractions that you could just mind or numb yourself with games or like alcohol, weed, like you can do anything nowadays to distract yourself and, you know, put that pain to the side. What was the difference for you to, you know, attack it head on? I think it's my role models, my grandpa, my pappy, my mom, and my now father. They, she quit her job when she had no business doing what she was doing, quitting her job, and she made it work. And she worked at Yale for years, and we live a beautiful life. My grandfather had no right or reason to show up other than he knew it needed to happen and do what is required. Not and not because it's hard. It's hard. You yeah. do it not because it's hard because it's needed because it's required because that's what a man does. And my father was always like, "You show up." So it's not up for negotiation. If you're not going to show up as your best self and try to improve, improve yourself, how are you going to be a role model? Like people look up to you just because you're older. Like I have younger cousins and, and younger, my friends have little brothers that look up to us. I mean, if we're smoking and drinking and hanging around topless and driving stupid, our, the little brothers are going to do it. That's not what we need to display. And with me being a public figure at the moment, I need to be held to a certain standard. I need to show people. You know, kids, you could tell them, hey, Dan, don't smoke, and I'll be smoking a cigarette. Do as I say, not as I do. But you're going to go and smoke, and I've seen it many times. Kids follow what their parents do or the people they look up to do. 
So you could say, follow your dreams, but the kid could turn around and go, why didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I want to be leading us as an example. One for hope, one for, uh, you know, impossible is just a fake word in the dictionary. I truly believe it. And the other is just, you need a good support system behind you. And you know, I practice gratitude every day. Everybody's so focused on, ah, you know, Jake Paul's got a Lamborghini and Justin Bieber sells out venues and, you know, Ed Milet is doing this and that. And, it, and they're not focused on, you know what? I got a shirt on right now. I got a job. I have a laptop. I have friends. I have, I'm on talk shows. I'm, I drove here in a new car. Like, I have that. Who are my support system? I have Dan. I have CLS family. I have the people that show up to my shows on the East Coast. Like, my family, my friends, my team. Thank you. I thank everybody. I'm appreciative. Thank you. I, I'm practicing gratitude. Thank you, Dan, for having me here and connecting with me and giving me the time this morning. Nobody's focused on comparing themselves to themselves yesterday and practicing gratitude for what they have instead of looking at what they don't have and and wondering why they don't have it or why, how far are they or, you know, I, I'm not where I want to be, but they didn't focus on doing the 1% better thing. It could literally come down to making your bed this morning because you don't do it. It's not, the, it's not the craziest things. You can't go zero to hero. Man, like that. Talk about the attitude of gratitude, though, because like that's really what it comes down to is looking at those positive things because there's always something positive. And I always go back to the aspect of duality when you're in the fire, when you're being tested, when times are the hardest. That's when we're really being tested the most to look for that good in that situation because there's always something, there's always a lesson to pull from it. Even if it's not immediate, maybe we can reflect a week later, two weeks later, there's always something to pull out from that. And that's exactly what you do. And now since we've gone through those tough times, we have the contrast to really appreciate even the littlest things like just having a conversation today, knowing that you know, we're able to impact someone and create a better life for someone like that is something that's worth striving for and worth waking up to and worth putting some extra energy in for. So I love that. And I'd love to talk more now about your company D is for dyslexia and the mission behind that, because it's a powerful one. Oh, I appreciate it. So D is for dyslexia and defying all odds. Our slogan is defying all odds because I truly believe we all have to defy the odds in some chapter of our life. And I'd love for somebody to prove me wrong. <laughs> Find one human who hasn't um, or, ha or or won't, right? Talk to any 50-year-old adult now. Has he or her ever defied the odds? I'm sure it's a 99.9% .9 they did. Um, and that's just kind of a, you know, you got this kind of slogan. Trust me, everybody has it. Um, D, D is for dyslexia. The school system failed me. Um, I'll be open about it. I had teacher-parent conferences where my parents and teachers were at war. Uh, teachers were trying to tell my parents, like, oh, we deal with kids like him all the time. My parents were like, you don't know my kid. And then I'm sitting in the middle just drowning because they can't get – my parents want the best for their kid. The teachers and the school system trying to do what they have with their tools. Um, and, you know, putting kids in smaller classes creates a target socially. Um, they're not filtering it out properly. They're not – attaching uh, attacking it correctly they're not there's teachers where i had an iep and it was like hey i you prom i have in my iep that you'll give me notes and the teachers make a big book oh that's right i have to give you notes oh geez i'll just just take mine jesus i'll be right in the next class why are you talking to a kid like that um the perspective when i go into schools so the company is is for motivation inspiration 
we want to inspire, motivate, educate, and impact and dominate. Um, so I go into schools. I talk to the parents first. And I go, this is a first-person perspective of a kid with a learning disability going through the public school system. Everything. I walk him right through. Then I go, "Here, that's how your kid feels. I go, now here's how the teachers and educators come to the table. They come in with their professional helmets. I'm a professional. I'm a teacher. I'm not a parent right now. I'm not a this. I'm not a that. I'm just a teacher professional following the guidelines of the school system that they've given me with my tools. And I go, well, watch this. You go into a meeting and you go, hey, guys, before we talk about my kid and while we're here, can, can does anybody in this room have kids? Oh, you do. The educators do have kids. That's probably why they're educators, because they love their kids and kids. They've always wanted kids. Okay, great. So talk to me about your kid. You give them five minutes to talk about their kid. Now they're all smiling. And you go, all right, I want to tell you this. I've learned this. This is the first person perspective of what my kid goes through on a daily basis in the school system with their learning disability. Now, if that was your kid, how would you want to proceed? And they're like, whoa, what the? Actually, yeah, we might be doing this wrong. Right? It's like, whoa, it's, it only matters when it's your kid, mama bear kind of thing. Um, and then you talk to the kids and you go, you know, Dylan, for example, I walked around through mine. I was doing triple the amount of work you guys were, and I was still getting 50s, but you were calling me the stupid one. Oh, my God, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I actually want to help Bobby and Timmy and and Evan. I don't want to bully them anymore. So then at the end of the, me going through the school system, it's like the parents understand how their kids go. The teachers understand what the kids are doing. The parents and teachers know how to do this instead of this. And now the kids are like, oh, we don't need to bully him. Actually, he's doing more than we are. I want to help him out. So that's the whole structure of that. I also am now working with superhero mentors to um, – we're mentoring kids one-on-one with learning disabilities, which is the most amazing, beautiful process that I've been a part of. And I'm, that's something I'm proud of gratitude for every day. I have a couple of boys that I'm mentoring, and they're such beautiful human beings, and we're going to get them through it. So that is what we're doing. I have a podcast, and I talk about this stuff like you do. And I, I as you know, I'm on a stage every week, and I am talking about gratitude or motivating people or talking to schools or talking about my story to give that perspective. I'm an expert on living with it not an expert on the subject itself. Man, like this is so powerful and it really does come from like this place of like pain and knowing like what it feels like to be that kid. And I'm curious, like how long have you had this vision to really like want to bring this company to life and create this impact or like, like well, I'm guessing my question is like, was it like a sleeper thing that's like kind of like weight on you and then you find like, I got to do this? Or was it like this flash of lightning where it's like, okay, it hit me. I'm going to do this now. Let's take action. Yes to both. So in school, senior year, I knew that I wanted to be an uh, influencer of some sort, but I think I wanted to be more like Jake Paul running around on news vans and doing crazy things to get kids to follow. Um, but then then the, the COVID running to Ed Milet speeches and stuff. That's when it was like, whoa, this is what it is. This is what's needed. This is what we're going to do. Here's how I'm going to start. Yeah. And then when did speaking come into play? Because <laughs> it, was a mistake. it was an accident. It was okay. an ab- Nobody knows this. It was an absolute accident. Didn't Tell It was never story. on. <laughs> it was never on the board. It was never in my head. It was never anything. It was like, I'm going to do a podcast. And I'm going to sell T-shirts. That was the brand. That was the idea. That was the mission. Um, and I would do motivational selfie videos. 
I, Giovanni Ramirez, let me speak at his company one night right before Christmas. And I was ready and I was excited and I was nervous. I was going through all the emotions. And it was just like a boardroom. It was just a, a, a conference room table, a TV, and then food around the perimeter. It's got to be like 10, 15 people, like nobody. Just some hedge fund people. And I told my story. And I'm sure my structure was terrible and the way I delivered it was terrible, but that's, you got to start, right? And um, I remember hugging Gio and saying, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I posted a picture of me like commanding the room. My hand was up like this and it was a full board room. And my comments and likes blew up. I was like, what? And nobody recorded. I just had pictures. But when I was there, Everybody's, oh, do you host events? Oh, do you do speaking engagements? Do We'd love to buy tickets. And I'm like, whoa. So I talked to my mentor at the time. He's like, you should do an Inspire Night. So it ended up being a live podcast. The idea was a live podcast because I had a production deal at the time at a restaurant in like this back room. So it was like a U-shape, a square U-shape of tables. The middle was open. And then we had like a backdrop two big blue chairs and I had a whole production for lights, cameras, editors, sound, mics. And I sold it out. It was 22 people. Right. And I, Adam, who knows how the hell I did it. I convinced Tony Marino, the superstar rapper who signed by Rick Ross to show up and let me interview him. Let's go. And he, he came, he didn't charge us anything. He didn't let me pay for his gas. He didn't let me pay for parking. And he met everybody and he let us take pictures. And he let me interview me, hung out afterwards. Like, what? And I interviewed my father. I interviewed Brandy Godoris. I interviewed my producer, Carl. And I gave an awesome speech. And it just changed my life forever because there was an educator in the crowd of uh, president of colleges. And I ended up getting booked for an entire tour through the Virginia school system was able to go start talking to schools and that is where everything just kind of blew up wow man they, they say that uh things don't happen by coincidence it's divine incident <laughs> and that's yeah. what it was man like that was all organized and orchestrated for a reason for you to get into those schools and make the impact that you're doing today and you know the way that i heard you like how you're changing the conversation with the parents and the teachers to, you know, just switch that whole dynamic and the environment that the kids are going through and how the teachers, you know, pres or interact with the kids, I guess you should say, and more like kind level, like we're actually all humans together interacting with each other, like how it should be. Like, this is such a big thing that the world needs. So I'm so glad that we're talking about it today and spreading awareness because it is like what is the stats like five percent or something like it's a, it's yeah. a smaller percent that have it and same with Crohn's it's like in that like low to five percent mark and you know these these are conditions that people are battling every day and just because it's not a ton of a lot of people but like five percent of the population that's still a very large amount and so the more conversations that we can have to bring awareness, inspire kindness, like the shirt here, like we just want to do all that we can to make the world a better place and leave it better than it was when we found it. So love everything that you're doing. And I'm so glad that you got into speaking the way that you did. And that's such an inspiring story to show that, you. you know, anyone can do it. Some big mistake. <laughs> it looks like 
Like, I never expected a sold-out triple-decker theater sharing a stage with Craig Siegel. That was like, I don't know. When we did that, that was kind of wild. It was like 380 people, and it was this huge theater. And I look up, the, there's a video on my Instagram, me running up on the stage, and all the theater gets on their feet, and I'm like, whoa, it's like a fever dream. Yeah, but life is coming fast now. You're doing it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it's so good. So... Man, tell us like what defying all odds means to you. We kind of talked it, about it. That's the theme here. But yeah, it just means to swim against the water, run against the wind. You know, I I say to my there's a great picture of me on a school tour, and and the screen says, "Tell me I can't, so I can show you that I can." That's all it is. That's exactly the message, right? Um, I remember telling people, <laughs> I remember running over to the and this is wow, awesome. So this a great example of why who you're surrounded by is so important and who's in your corner is so important and, and the energy i ran back home after that speaking engagement and after we launched our t-shirts i got a production deal just little things like years ago before i was where anywhere where i am now and i was so excited to tell everybody about it and some people were just like dude that's never gonna happen who the heck's gonna buy tickets to a dyslexic speech or who's gonna buy this or who's gonna do this or who's gonna support this um it, yeah, it sounded crazy. I was dyslexic and I was adopted. I'm going to preach it and people are going to want to paint me and people are going to want to build a business out of it. And it's going to help people. This guy's out of his mind. But any, they, I love the quote of, you know, the man who's crazy enough to think he, ch he can change the world is the one that does. So being able to do that is insane. But when you go to these networking events, you're in a CLS family, you're in a GSD family, and you're surrounded by nothing but people that want to win and they want you to win just as bad as you want to win. Like when you have a win, it feels like a win for me. When Craig has a win, it feels like a win for me. When Kelly has one, it feels like one for me. Like I genuinely love you guys and I want you to win just as bad as I want me to win, just as bad as you want yourself to win, just as bad as you want me to win. That is something that everybody needs to really sink in is you are who you surround yourself with. And if you want to do big things, you have to get around people who think bigger than you do. That's what it is, man. That's how we elevate. And you, everyone asks me nowadays, like, how do you get mentors? And it's like showing up and getting in the room and being around right back. people. Yeah. It comes right back to a man's got to show up. Yeah. Every single time you got to show up and just, spark those conversations, get in the rooms, get in those opportunities. And you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. You just got to go oh. do it. So I love that. So, man, this has been such a great conversation. And to wrap things up, I got two more uh, final questions here. One of them I'm actually pretty interested about. So as a high performing entrepreneur in your 20s already, 22 now, what are some things that you do daily to stay on fire? Uh, gratitude, practice it, preach it, think about it all the time. Routines, everything. Always chasing that 1% better every day. Um, oh, oh, this is a great one. Open-minded. I walk into every room thinking I know nothing and telling everybody, I know nothing, I'm 22, tell me what you know. What would you tell your 22 yourself and why? And how, and here's what I'm doing. How would you proceed and why? Because the minute you walk into room saying, I'm the shit, I know everything, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, nobody's going to want to help you and you're going to plateau. And then when a gust, gustful wind comes over, it's going to blow you over. You're going to be like, 
what happened? So you need to be open-minded to learning. You don't stop. Just because you have accomplishments doesn't mean that you know everything. People get that confused all the time. Be open-minded, be willing to learn, be excited to learn, be interested in learning, and just chase that 1% every day. How can I be 1% better every day? Um, and I do this thing, which is which I, I used to say is cringy, but now people ask me about it all the time, and they want to do it too. My goal is five people a day. Make five people a day smile, and they must be strangers. And I don't have to have full conversations. I don't have to send them money. I don't just, how can I make five people smile a day that are strangers? Um, janitor, uh, front security guys, people at the gas station just telling them, oh, I love your shirt. Have a beautiful day or whatever the case might be. You have a beautiful smile. Stuff like that. You don't know what somebody's going through. And you don't know how bad they need it. Like I, I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm the most annoying friend. Like my core group. I'm like, they're like, God, Dylan won't stop. It's like these videos of I'm proud of you or I appreciate you or I love you or you got to keep going. I'm thinking of you or I'm always calling them or sending these TikToks about it or sending them these messages. I'm like, I'm the annoyingly supportive friend. Like yeah, if I'm in your corner, you know it. <laughs> but yeah. I'd rather than that nobody's ever, I've actually asked my friends, like, I know I'm the annoying friend and I'm sorry if I overdo it too much. Like, no, you have no idea about how much we actually need it. Even if we don't respond, we do need it. Yeah. Yeah. We all need that friend. It is so good that you're the guy doing that and always extending that gratitude. And one of the things that I really admire about you is just this mindset to always get better and always improve because Whenever we talk, like I'm always learning something new about you or you're always doing something new. And I'm like, this dude is so young, but he's just like always on the drive, always on point. And he's just like he's got a mission and a true drive. So I just love everything that you're doing. And I know that you're truly going. You already are, but you're going to make a massive impact on this world. So I'm truly grateful to call you a friend, man. Yes, and I take that as a huge compliment. Thank you so much. I'm I'm grateful to call you a friend, and I'm proud of you. I Thank am. you, man. I'm proud of you, and I'm impressed with you. I've watched you from the beginning. I think the first time we talked in New York, you were asking me, like, oh, how do I start X? And you started running interviews, and I was like, let's go. Like, that's something that that feels like a win for me, too. Yeah, and one of the things that from that conversation that stuck out to me, it's like you're asking me and, like, some other people that we were talking to, like, who are you? And you were doing this like vague question, but you wanted to get that deep response of like, who are you? And really make, make like a statement and, or it wasn't a statement. It was make that person um, remember you and feel an emotion. And like, if you tell someone that, if you tell something that sparks an emotion, that's going to make them remember you forever. Whereas you just tell a story or like something that you do, like, here's my title. Um, they're going to forget typically. So you're like, make that impact, like move the emotions. And I was like, okay, I, I can work with that. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's like, great. I, I mean, actually you've been an amazing host. I'm incredibly impressed. Thank you. Your questions and everything have been amazing. Um, a lot of people, if you ask, the reason I tell that also is like, if you ask the most common person, who are you? The first thing they open up with is their job. And if they have a wife or kids, and then you go, no, 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 you told me who you provide for and love and what you do for work. You didn't tell me who you are. They're like, what the heck? I don't know. Most people don't know. Yeah. 
yeah and that got me to think like shit who am i and then i right. had all this like unique story that brings out who i am and you did it to another guy neil he's like what do you mean like who who am i and like it took him like a minute to get to that deep response and then like after five minutes of him talking about who he is he's like was that good he's like that's what I wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was funny, but I remember that it made a lasting impact on me. So, it's, you're always spilling some insights, whether it's a dinner conversation, a podcast. Like Dylan's always on point. So <laughs> oh, get in touch with this guy. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I promise. Um, Dan, can I ask you a question? Yeah, hit me. If somebody wanted to get in the lane of being an influencer, podcast host, leader. As somebody who's now actually doing it, which I'm proud of you, what would your answer to them be? Mm. Yeah, I think if you're starting out, it's really essential to get around the right people, get in the right rooms, as you've mentioned earlier. That's truly a catalyst to your growth and identifying what you want also, because say you want to start a podcast there's a podcast for everything out there you can find a podcast for freaking dog food what's the best dog food right um, so finding like what you actually want and distinguishing that and being unique and then going and looking at people that are doing it or similar spaces and asking them directly for help or getting in their audience and connecting with those people that's how we've connected and it's truly been the catalyst to my growth. And when you built, here's another thing. It's the relationships that matter the most. Like we went to an event in Los Angeles just about two months ago and the event was great. But the biggest thing that I get from those experiences is meeting people. And that's not something that I really realized until this year. So if I were to tell my younger self or when I'm just starting a podcast, it's actually yeah, take your notes on the notepad when the speakers are talking. But after that, go shake the hands, go talk to people. And those relationships are going to be the biggest dividend to your success and your growth. And it's not so much about that exact connection, because they may know somebody that can help you out or create an opportunity. And there's always a ripple effect. So that's what I would say to someone just starting out. Make sure you get in the right rooms, know what you want, and don't be afraid to ask questions and fail forward. Yes, I love that. So I will leave you with this. When I was, if you're in a room of leaders or a mentor or a figure that you look up to or somebody you've always wanted to ask questions, but you're afraid to, a closed mouth goes unfed. If you don't, You'll never know. True. But the worst they could say is, oh, can I interview? Can I get a picture? The worst they could say is no. I think the thing that we're all caught up in is everybody's worried about what the worst case scenario is. But, you know, if I if I try this whole entrepreneurial thing, it might fail. And then what? If you don't think I'm a failure, you failed already by letting that control you. You need to take those. I mean, I mean, setbacks and, and failures are what make you who you are and what teach you. Those are the lessons. That's that's learning you're in class. The important thing is to know is learning exactly what not to do and then what to do, or they're both equally as valuable. Right. So you need to ask the questions. You need to get in the rooms and and the worst that somebody could say is no. And then you're you would you ask. That's it. You don't have to go the Dylan route where I'm like up your ass 
until you say yes. Like I do do that. I overdo it. But people love that about me. Craig loved it about me. At first, they're like, yo, fuck this kid. And now Craig is like my best friend. Kelly's my best friend. And I have all these celebrities on my Instagram. I hang out with all these celebrities. And they're like, yo, you Dylan doesn't stop. Because I don't take no for an answer. I'm on a mission. I know what I'm doing. And I know I need a, a community behind me. So I show up for them and I support them just as much as they show up for me and support me. But always give expecting nothing in return. That's it, man. That's so good. I'm not even going to follow. I had something, but I'm just like, no, <laughs> leave it like that. <laughs> that that was a good one. And we're going to give you guys one more final nugget before we hop off here. Dylan, what has been the greatest life lesson or piece of advice received that has made the biggest impact on you? The biggest, um, when you're scared, it's time to jump. Mm. And think about the best case scenario, not the worst. What if it did work out? What does that look like? That's what I'm worried about. Not what if it doesn't. And if you've set up a plan B, you've already failed plan A and you need to re you need to go back to the whiteboard. People who set up plan B's already know the plan A is going to fail. But if you're so dedicated to plan A and you know it's not going to fail because you won't allow it to, that's all you need. Don't be afraid to ask for help either. Raise the hand in the back of the class. Yeah. Burn the boats, ask for help. And I love the this is what I was going to follow up on the last one. I just came back. So just ask and don't be afraid of that rejection. That was something that really stopped me for a long time but then i realized like i'm offering value i'm here to do a good thing if they say no they say no and i keep on going and i've really adopted the mindset of striking while it's hot so if i'm at an event things are clicking people are saying yes make that proposition hey you want to feature on my podcast strike while it's hot do those things while you're in the room the energy's high and that's when you can really capitalize on those opportunities and, you know, get to those places you want to be. But again, you're not going to get to that spot if you don't show up and you don't open your mouth and ask for help. So we'll, we'll wrap it up on that. 100%. You're amazing, Dan. You're such a beautiful human. Thank you for doing what you do. I'm proud of you. I'm impressed by you. And please don't stop. Oh, you know, we're only getting warmed up over here. And before you hop out, let us know how we can support you, man. Let us know anything that you got going on or something that you're looking forward to so we can get involved. Exciting things on the pipeline. So book comes out in January. We're going to do a book launch, a book party, a conference for it. We're going to go on a tour for all the news channels and stuff, jump on podcasts, promoting the hell out of it. Um, I just purchased my first property for my company. I've got a studio being constructed as we speak right now. So I no longer have a production deal, but now, you know, what they say is if they won't let you on their stage, you build one and bring them to yours. So I have a studio and office being built right now. So look forward to those Instagram lives, TikTok lives, podcasts, and we're just going to start moving that stuff out. And I want to be featured on more. I want to give other opportunities. So we're going to keep moving. And I got schools coming soon. So that content's coming as well. Man, this guy's on fire. Where can we stay in touch with you on social media? Um, Instagram. You can look me up on Google, as in D is Dylan Smith Dyslexia, and everything will pop up. On Instagram, I'm D is for Dyslexia19. Um, D is for Dyslexia1 at Gmail. Email it, D is for Dyslexia.com. Send an inquiry. 
um, Dylan Smith on Facebook, Dyslexic Dylan on TikTok. I'm happy to connect. Don't be afraid to reach out. I'm going to answer your questions and DMs any way I can help. I'm happy to. Yeah, and I encourage you guys to even drop Dylan uh, a golden nugget from this episode. So tune in, <laughs> him, connect, and just uh, start that conversation. So Dylan, thank you so much for being real, raw, and vulnerable with us today. Your courage and transformation shines hope on the world, and the world is a brighter and better place because of you. You are making a massive impact on those who need it the most. Thank you for being you and for joining us today, man. Thank you, Dan. You're such a beautiful human. Are you ready to take charge of your health and transform your life? Well, get ready because we have the solution for you. Introducing the Nova Fusion 21-Day Wellness and Resilience Challenge. The ultimate program designed to stack massive momentum, achieve peak performance, and spark your transformation. In just 21 days, you can experience a total wellness revolution. Our challenge is jam-packed with daily inspiration, education, downloadable resources, and exciting challenges to keep you fired up and on track. But that's not all. When you join the challenge, you'll also become a member of our exclusive Nova Fusion family. Together, we'll support and uplift one another as we continue to grow and thrive. Unlock the secrets of the world's best wellness and resilience practices to stay mentally and physically fit for a lifetime. From renewing healing practices to transformative high-performance techniques, we've got you covered. And here's something that sets us apart. I believe in these practices so much that I'm offering a money-back guarantee. That's right, if you don't see results, you can get your money back so you have absolutely nothing to lose but everything to gain. So what are you waiting for? Take advantage of this limited time opportunity right now. Go to novafusion.co slash challenge to sign up and embark on the journey of a lifetime. Let's spark your transformation together. I can't wait to see you on the other side.